0: he is good and his word lasts forever over the course of the next year we'll be going through a series of talks entitled christian personal relationship that will focus on our call from christ to live in relationship with one another in a manner worthy of the call we have received My talk today is meant to be an introduction of sorts to this series of talks. I will talk about three things today. The I world, the universal need for human relationship, and finally, a convincing argument that Christianity has something to say about it. Let's work our way through this. The I world. Ever heard of the term? It's perhaps a useful term because it easily sums up, in a catchy phrase, one of the prevailing attitudes of our time that is visibly linked to a seismic shift in how we are relating to one another. What is that attitude? A pervasive focus on the self at the expense of one another. The term I-world was coined, to my knowledge, by Dr. Dale Kine. He's an ordained minister in the Evangelical Covenant Church of America and serves as a pastor in New Hampshire. He's also a professor of politics at St. Anselm's College which is a Benedictine college in the Northeast. His particular area of research is how a focus on gratifying one's self has shifted, transformed, and disfigured the nature of human sexual relationship. We're not going to talk about that in particular today, but I bring it up because Dr. Dale Coyne is pointing out that our attitudes and behaviors about ourselves affect the most intimate aspects of our relationships with one another what's another term for a pervasive focus on one's self as an ideology individualism individualism is the habit or the principle of being independent and radically self reliant the taproot, where individualism obtains its strength is the greatest of all sins pride what are the signs well there's lots of signs outside in the world there's marketing what can brown do for you the ups company that's going to deliver your packages Your world delivered. Who who does that one? AT&T. Well, yeah, they're not as big anymore, but. Be all you can be. The army. Have it your way. Burger King. That wasn't really successful. Anyway, (laughs) there are some signs. Those are some signs. Now let's shift to the signs in our interior life. Here are some things I find myself saying when I am contemplating someone's request of me or a desire that I feel growing inside of me. I might say, what's in it for me? Or I might say, yeah, maybe not. It's probably gonna feel good. These are the signs that my interior life is working through self-reference, maybe self-centeredness, maybe self-defense. Well, if those are the signs, what are the fruits? The fruits that you and I struggle with when we are burdened with ourselves might be, and I'm speaking from personal experience, loneliness, anxiety, Fear, this is one of my favorites, skepticism. Division, racism, classism, anger towards ourselves and towards one another. Radical individualism deteriorates the world around us. G.K. Chesterton said that Satan fell from the sky Because he took himself seriously. Angels can fly because they don't. This is not God's plan for people. It never has been. Open the good book, Genesis 1, verse 27. God created man in his image, in the divine image, he created him male. And female, he created them. We know what naturally came of the loving relationship between the first man and the first woman. God's image is to become one, become three, and then four, and so forth. In the second story of creation, shining a light from a different angle on the same subject, Genesis 2 records... The Lord God's words over Adam, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable partner for him. Contemplate God's words for a moment. It is not good for the man to be alone. We are living in times of substitution, friends. We have been substituting the real with the unreal for many decades. We have substituted saccharin for sugar. We have substituted news for knowledge and knowledge for wisdom. We are substituting looking at an iPhone for looking at your eyes. Substituting text messages for conversation Substituting memes for really clever jokes. Substituting ideas with iterative catchphrases. You can think of many more. It might be a good exercise. God's intent is to love us as a people, as a family. The documents of Vatican II, Gaudium et Spes, says, in his fatherly care for all of us, God desired that all men should form one family and deal with each other in a spirit of brotherhood. The Catechism says, God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close To man, he calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. He calls together all men scattered and divided by sin into the unity of his family, the church. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son as Redeemer and Savior. In his Son and through him, he invites men to become in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children, and thus heirs of his blessed life. This is the opening paragraph of the teaching of our church in the catechism. Wow. None of us is truly alone. Biologically, we owe our existence to the fact that two people radically overcame their singleness for a time the gift of your existence of my existence is the fruit of two really become one like for real two cells separate different fused now one I'd love to talk more about this after the talk. It's really cool. (laughs) Each one of us is the result of unity. There's no other way. Two have become one for you and I to exist. Each of us was made in, by, and for relationship. We are being made by relationship right now. Does somebody want to open the door? In the act, we are being made by relationship right now. In the act of carrying on. In the act of knowing and walking with the Lord. What does he say to us? I am the vine. You are are the branches. Have you watched a vine grow? I have been obsessed lately with watching vines grow. Some of you know about our squash garden. It's amazing. They grow out into territory beyond where they were planted. New sprouts emerged if they were pruned and those new vines usually have more flowers which produce even more fruit if the soil is rich where the vine originated that vine will take over the entire field relationship we are in a relationship And we are being brought to bear fruit in places where we were not planted, beyond where we were grafted. If Jesus is our source, our strength, our life, holy smokes, you are going to have some produce. We are made for relationship now and always What is heaven, brothers and sisters? It is union with the living God. Heaven is a relationship. That's it. A relationship that exacts from us the truth of who we are so that we might live in the truth of the one who is. I am who am. Jesus tells us, echoing the words he speaks to Moses in the flaming bush, he is the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to get cleaned up one way or another. Every blade of grass will be cut, every grain of wheat will be crushed, and every grape will be pressed. He's coming for us forever. Because we cannot escape relationships, we will experience either blessing or hurt from our relationships. To be honest, probably both. Each of us can think of a relationship that hurts. We can also think of relationships and friendships that are a great solace, a source of comfort, a place of refuge here's the rub the difficult relationships are the greatest opportunities for the love of the lord they can be a witness to the power of the gospel they can also be an opportunity for the enemy gk chesterton says the bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies. Probably because they're the same people. If we get loving our neighbor right, the Lord is magnified. A lot rides on this. 20 bucks. That even if you don't pray before your meal at work, your coworkers still know you are a Christian. Are they judging you? You bet. And I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, they're weighing the worth of your witness. Especially those who are really, really skeptical of Christianity. Like maybe some of your fellow Catholics. There are some who've heard nothing good of the word of God. Of a personal relationship with Jesus. You and I are witnesses, whether we like being one or would rather hide. Worldly relationships are often based on preference. I happen to prefer musicians. Simple people with a sense of humor. Those who appreciate cooking, wit, a desire for hard work, the capacity for sacrifice. Friends who won't place too many demands on me. I really dislike people who are quick to show me my flaws or people who talk down to me without even realizing they are doing so. Should I move on? Take a look around the room. None of us chose this motley crew and it probably could stand to get a little more motley. All of us have had a hand in making this gathering what it is today. Although there are some that maybe I invited, not today. There are more that I have not personally invited, many that I don't yet know, and even more that I am learning to love. All Christians are our brothers and sisters. Paul says in Corinthians 2, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one spirit. This goes beyond the Catholic Church, by the way. We make our friends, we make our enemies, but God makes our next door neighbor. Hence, he comes to us clad in all the careless terrors of nature. He is as strange as the stars, as reckless and indifferent as the rain. He is man, the most terrible of beasts. That is why the old religions and the old scriptural language showed so sharp a wisdom when they spoke not of one's duty towards humanity, but of one's duty towards one's neighbor. That's a quote from G.K. Chesterton. I like him. Some of the passages of scripture are so familiar to us that we can forget about them when we are thinking about our brother or sister in the church. Take the passage of the Good Samaritan, for example. The Samaritan was the one least expected to be neighborly. He was, in fact, outside the circle of neighbors, and yet he was the only real neighbor. We are not only neighbors to one another. You and I, we are brothers and sisters. We are not only brothers and sisters to one another. We are part of the same flesh. Christ's flesh. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, For he has made known to us in all wisdom and insight the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. The end of our relationship one to another is unity. Those who belong to the Lord Jesus relate to one another as a family that remains deeply committed to one another. How we relate as family and what that looks like will be covered in a talk later in the series. However, there are several examples in Scripture of the disciples being identified as family. Jesus himself endorses this relationship. Listen to what he says about his own family in Matthew 13. It's really grand. Someone interrupts, interrupts his preaching to let him know that his mom and the disciples have just showed up. Jesus doesn't stop his preaching. He ratchets it up a notch. He says in reply, astonishingly, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Bet that guy felt sorry for interrupting. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my heavenly father is my brother and sister and mother. That's incredible. It's not a small family gang. Jesus just blew open the narrow gate. He's going to stuff us all through. Just stay in the family. How do we do this? By loving the word of God. Let it soak in like rain on a parched land. Spend time with him. Read it. Remember, he is the word who has been with us from the beginning. He is the word who has come to pitch his tent with us. All things are possible with him. Have the hardest time with your brother or a particular sister. Go to the word not only does it change our life there's real practical wisdom in it here's a couple for discussion hebrews 13 let brotherly love continue among you first peter chapter 1 having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brethren love one another earnestly earnestly from the heart I know my brother I'm talking about my brother Stephen who lives in France with Julie and their three children I know him really really well because I know him so well I can love him personally Therese and I have known each other for over 20 years we have grown deep together There are pains and hardships that we have encountered because we are going deep, uncovering wounds, witnessing straight-up handicaps, and breaking open areas of love that are deeper than we've ever known. This love, as painful and hard as it is sometimes, is a source of strength and life for everything else. Our love for one another in a community in time grows to be first committed, second personal, and then third familial. There are times when I know I am called to give love even when I wouldn't necessarily choose it. Being in community has allowed me to see things in others that at times I'd like to sit in judgment over. When I have nursing a grudge, I have fed a root of bitterness. Working through this a particular time, pulling up this weed required some counsel with other brothers, some prayer, some courage, some honesty, and finally, humility. And through it, I have encountered a blessing, restored brotherhood, and mutual respect. Christian relationships should be strong and life-giving. There should be an invitation to relationship in the heart of a Christian. An openness and a willingness to welcome the other. Worldly relationships can be possessive private and exclusive, the blessing of our relationships, of our friendships, should overflow to others. They should strengthen us so that we can love and serve others rather than be absorbed and cave in on the relationship. Importantly, a brotherly love that is grounded in mutual affection, service, and holding one another in esteem builds a stable environment where healthy relationships can happen. This kind of environment, or milieu, is where we begin to heal wounds of loneliness, insecurity, and a need for approval. Having relationships like this takes a commitment on the inside. Relationships between Christians shouldn't be based on preference, nor should we treat each other as a means to an end. We should be grounded in faithfulness, loyalty, and commitment first to the Lord and then to one another. Because our relationships are more like family and less like a club, we choose to serve one another in spite of our feelings regardless of how we might feel. The test of love is how we act, not necessarily what we feel or what our intentions might be. We have and we are going to experience negative feelings in our relationships, in this community. Irritation. Impatience. Maybe resentment. Certainly, dislike. These are not sins, but they might motivate one. What does all of this mean for me in my marriage, in my life with my children? Importantly for us here today, what does this mean in our life together as a community of followers of Jesus who have committed to being for one another what does this look like for us as single persons if we get our relationships right through grace forgiveness and an abundance of mercy with a great dose of courage we will partake in one of the primary ways that the gospel is spread in our day credible witness. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. John 13. Therefore, let's press on and serve one another so that we may live in a manner worthy of the call we have received, and so that others would be drawn to follow Jesus as well.